welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Brad Hiscock from Convivial Games, a Canadian game publisher that has just launched the first game, Feuds and Favors. Feuds and Favors is a medieval-themed strategy card game and is currently on Kickstarter. Brad, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your story and your, your game. Let's start off with Convivial Games. I hope I didn't butcher the name. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Uh, a little tiny bit. It's convivial. Convivial. Uh, okay. Yeah. So convivial is a word that means to have fun with a group of friends, uh, basically, or have fun uh, around that kind of a thing. So I thought convivial games was a pretty good fit. Oh, awesome. See, on this podcast, not just about playing games and learning about games, we get education sometimes even in uh, in the English language. So that's uh, super cool. So now what's your date? Like, I know you kind of came running at the last second to the podcast, uh, probably yeah. came from work. What, what is it you do? What's uh, what's your day job? I'm an electrician by trade oh, and sweet. I'm a uh, project manager there now with a uh, local company. So uh, we're actually building a, a bank downtown. So I, I was at a big site meeting for that because we're approaching the end deadline and uh, it ran a little late. So thank you oh, for wow. bearing with me there. At oh, that that's last right. We made it. We, we launched right on time, which is good. And you're, you're East Coast Canada, right? That's correct. As East as you can go. Now, did you grow up in the East? Is it like you've always been uh, an East Coaster or did you kind of move out there at some point? Yeah, no, I was uh, born and raised in Newfoundland, so uh, pretty just outside of the capital city in CBS. Uh, yeah. So St. John's is the capital city here, and we're right on the east coast of the east coast. So uh, we actually got a spot here at called Signal Hill, and it's the most yeah. eastern point in uh, North America. And you're near Signal Hill? Yeah, we can see it pretty much from the house. Oh, nice. And I was going to say, like, your, your, your accent isn't super thick, so you can kind of get away with almost uh, somebody not necessarily knowing you're from East Coast. I have some buddies live in, uh, in Newfoundland, and, okay. uh, and sometimes um, the accent can be very thick. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're pretty famous worldwide for having a very large amount of dialects on a very small population in Ireland. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's pretty much every 15 minutes you drive, it's almost a different, uh, different sound. Yeah, we kind of made fun of him. He moved here, actually. So I'm in, uh, I'm in kind of the middle of Canada. I'm in uh, just north of Toronto and Ontario. And he, uh, he moved back. He, he moved here for a few years for work. So he was here, I guess, about eight years and, uh, and you know, lost most of his accent. Went back for like a month to visit family. And then and <laughs> he came back and it. we're like, dude, yeah. like I need a translator. I have no idea what you're saying to me right now. So he mm. just lays it on thick sometimes. And it's, uh, it's always, no, even, uh, even a weekend trip can do that. And, uh, <laughs> say sometimes you're, you go somewhere with friends that are just from, you know, an hour outside of town or anything. And as soon as you get there in that setting, they like instantly switch like a light switch and, and talk in, in that, uh, accent or, or dialect. Sometimes it's slightly different words and things. Yeah. Uh, but it's super interesting. And, uh, yeah. What part there are you from? I got family up in, uh, Guelph. Uh, Guelph. I went to school in Guelph actually. Um, I'm so just North of Toronto is a city called Barrie. Uh, for those, uh, worldwide listeners who know their Canadian geog geography, usually most people know where Toronto is, right? So it's in Southern Ontario. And, um, and if you just drive straight, uh, straight North for about, uh, about an hour, you'll, uh, you'll find us. I always find it funny. People make fun of Canadians because they say they measure distance and time. 
right? So they say, you yeah. know, how far do you live from this place, this place? They'll say, oh, it's about a 45 minute drive. You know, rarely will they say, uh, you know, here's how many kilometers or here's how many miles away it is, which is kind of, uh, kind I, of funny. I, I didn't, didn't even know there was that. a different way. Yeah. yeah until about uh, earlier this year, I was reading something. I'm like, what? Uh, that's so true. I do that all the time. I didn't realize that was kind of a local <laughs> thing. So it's too well, funny. Maybe it's a, it's a full country thing. I've, I've never heard somebody say, <laughs> oh, it's 23 kilometers away. Yeah, you know, know. Uh, no, it's always, yeah, it's down the road 15 minutes or you'll get the famous landmark. Yeah. It's like eight, eight minutes past the gas station. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how long yeah. have you been gaming for? Like you're, you're obviously into, you know, the electrical world, but uh, yeah. gaming I'm sure is a hobby of yours. Like when did this all start? Is this something you've been doing your whole life or? pretty much yeah i uh i grew up um with with uh, like it was me and my brother when i was growing up but we were separated by several years and uh i ended up you know being alone a lot as a toddler because we were pretty far out from uh other people we had a decent sized piece of land and yep. you know uh <laughs> going to the neighbor's house wasn't as easy as that mm. um so i spent a lot of time even um in like toddler and preschool and then early childhood years uh playing games or attempting to of course um so it did start very young and then i kind of graduated further and further into uh into the hobby and i just kept expanding and the more i got the more i wanted to dig deeper yeah and so i was reading somewhere that was like was it 10 years ago is when you first started designing games is that is that do i get that right or pretty close yeah so i was uh probably the, when I started writing them down, um, it was probably around 2006, 2007. Mm. Uh, but this one in particular came about like the 2009, 2012 area. It's kind yeah. of a bit of a shady thing. I found it uh, in some design notebooks and stuff that I had. So uh, it's not exactly dated, but it's about that old. But the the edition at the time was played with two packs of 52 playing cards. So yeah. it's... Uh, come leaps and bounds past that it's a uh, can kind of be called an inspiration for the current game rather than a uh, direct path yeah now you're making games you know over 10 years ago or so or even maybe longer um but you didn't take it to the next step of polishing so what was it that kept you from moving to the next step or even mothballing some of these game designs you had and uh, kind of going on with life um well i i'd still made a lot of physical prototypes and things mm. uh just as a hobby something i really enjoyed um almost like you do like modeling for like toll painting and stuff for mm. minis and things you know it, it's a it's a self fulfilling thing and uh i just really enjoyed that so my local area and close friend group we did play a lot of games that i had created um but at some point you know we kind of expanded that and i took it to different events or parties and just was really getting a lot of buzz about it and uh decided to share it wider yeah did you ever take it off we call uh, newfoundland the rock right so have you ever taken it off the rock or because travel no. is i mean it's, it's quite some distance right i don't think people realize how big canada is it is enormous yeah. geographically and second largest country. Yeah. Yeah. So. so flying from like Newfoundland, which as you said, is like, you know, the first yeah. point out into the ocean, even to Ontario where I'm located, um, you know, is, is quite a long flight and uh, is not cheap. Right. So travel has yeah. got to be tough too. When you're on the East coast, is there any kind of local game shops or anything you could be part of as part of that or. 
There is. So there's a, it's, it's not a massive community just because our population isn't that sure. high. They're the entire province, which like you said, is very widespread is, is about half a million. Yeah. Um, so from that, uh, you know, the gaming population would be significantly smaller, but we have a few like really big uh, players in the game here. Um, that would be uh, like Midgard gaming, nobles, miniatures, and um, you know, like escape quests and places like that, that are, in and around this area that just really helped expand this and uh, we're getting a couple of like board game cafes and bars and things like yeah. uh we got one called uh oh man that's no good i completely just dropped the ball here i know exactly where it's to um but anyway they just encourage people to come in and that whole aspect of coming in and playing a game is completely new here and mm it's it's really taking so um that's kind of where i can take things now where before it was almost like private meetups and different groups that were like related to say like the university or related to some different fields and you kind of got yeah. like a side piece out of it but um when you can find a direct um group of people that are only interested in what you're doing is uh, is quite beneficial yeah. And, and, and I know it's like, for instance, you have tabletop simulator as well that you've programmed yeah. your game out. Like, are you able to do any kind of virtual play testing with people in, in other parts of the world or? Well, that's where uh, really we, we, we picked up a lot of the slack from mm. uh, what we could offer ourselves here. Um, tabletop simulator and a lot of those groups like break my game or virtual play testing. Uh, those, those groups have been fantastic for us and we were able to do, instead of having what would have been maybe 50 to 100 play tests here, we were able to double and triple that online. And we got to a little over 300, I think, recently. And then we just kind of stopped and focused entirely on, on the Kickstarter itself. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, without the uh, TTS mod, we, we, we would have been missing those extra eyes and things and connecting with specific designers and stuff from uh like the board game design lab is, is a big one yep a uh, big group on facebook and stuff and yeah, great the, the the hive mind there is just fantastic yeah it's a very welcoming community i know we say this almost every single podcast and people are probably sick of hearing it but <laughs> it, just it really is. is such a welcoming community and uh everyone is there to try to uh see you succeed right and see you create the best possible game you can create um so and I, i'd be remiss to mention uh so this particular game we're doing an actual giveaway a sponsor giveaway right now on our instagram channel if you go to board game binge podcast so that's our instagram handle is board game binge podcast this is going to run until probably mid tomorrow. So mid Friday is when we will uh, do the draw. So if you're listening to this podcast on the replay, or if you're watching it live, I would encourage you to go to our Instagram channel again, board game binge podcast and to enter. It's very, very simple. All you have to do is make sure you're following us, make sure you're following uh, Brad's company and I'm not going to butcher the name. So I'll let you say your handle. Cause I think it's convivial like games NL. NL. Oh, Newfoundland. Now I get it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> Convivial Games NL. Uh, you follow the both of us. Uh, you uh, tag two friends who you'd want to go to battle with. 
and you get a ballot. It's, uh, it's that simple. If you want a bonus ballot, then simply just go and share it in your story. Tag us as well in that so we can actually see that you shared it in your story. You get a bonus uh, ballot. So the odds are very good when we run our giveaways. And uh, you never know if you're listening and you enter, you could be the proud owner of this game. So feuds and favors. Where did this idea come up with? Just walk me through. Like this is, goes back 10 years ago. You sketch it down on a book somewhere. Yeah. You forgot about it. Maybe it's stuck under like a couch somewhere. How did it come back and, you know, how did you breathe life uh, back into this beast? So we found it when we were moving. Uh, we, we had bought a new That's home cool. and we're just packing everything up. And uh, it was in the unpacking process that I was like, you know, there's a lot of stuff here. Or maybe I'll donate some of these things to charity and, you know, go through it. So I, I did a deeper dive uh, down through what I had. And that's that's kind of how it got discovered in in amongst the rubble. Uh, but sometimes things just happen like that. You, you sketch mm -hmm. a great idea in like a, a journal or a notebook or even on an old computer. And then you, you kind of shelf it. And then it's so shelf that you forgot completely. Uh, so you don't yeah. even know to go check. And uh, yeah, I found a, a bunch of things in that same, uh, same book. So uh, there was two more ideas that I may completely follow through with as well that from the same, same thing. And why did you pick this one? Why was it the game that you said, this is the first one we're going to do? So um, one is the medieval theme. For, for me, I've always been drawn to that, uh, you know, like Game of Thrones, King Arthur kind of vibe. Uh, mm -hmm. Visually, I, it, it resonated with me the most. Um, it, it also kind of was the one I felt was the furthest along um, in terms of where I would go with it and where I wanted it to become mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of reminded me of an inspiration of uh, like the classic game of war with uh, you know 52 card deck mm -hmm. and uh, magic the gathering so it was like a a meeting of those two games and tried to take the best kind of out of them mm -hmm. um, that's that's kind of where I was and I, I thought that a light based game and a card only game was a lot more um, one affordable, but accessible and easier to ship. And I felt that it was an easier project for me to handle and deliver successfully than trying to take on some of the larger projects and euros that we had in mind. Yeah. I mean, mitigating risk is always a good idea. Right. And, uh, you know, I've heard different camps on this. I talk to people sometimes and say, Oh no, go, go for, you know, go for the gusto. Just take your best, you know, who cares if it's, you know, it's a lot of work, you know, take your best game and go out there with it. And I get that if you only have one game, right. If you have one idea, but often when I talk to game developers or game, sorry, game designers, they often have many games, uh, either game, at the very least game ideas in various states of uh, development, um, but also usually you have like a couple kind of in, in the can that they could, they could go with. And, you know, the natural inclination I think is to say, you know, when I go with the one that I know is going to deliver the most, right. Yeah. But I prefer to say, go for the one that has the least risk. We can learn the most from it. Um, because if you do that and you fail, that's okay. You know, it didn't really cost a lot. Right. And, um, and the learning is in the, in the, it's the failures and whether you fund or not, sometimes the failure is when you get into, um, you know, after you funded, right. And trying to get the game out to your backers and things happen like a global pandemic where there's a container shortage and yes. shipments from China to your distributors uh, in, increase by tenfold. Right. 
and, and you've already collected the money. So you didn't account for that. You know, things like that can, can vary some people. Um, hundred percent agree. You know, right now what's going on, you know, the events around the world, um, you know, has caused some uh, supply issues, right? So you've got the COVID, you now got some, the more recent events and now you're seeing some supply constraints, right? And you're having some, some suppliers that are saying, Hey, you know, um, you know, our, our costs have gone up. I have to increase my cost. I know that this is the original cost, but I can't do it for that now. Well, the challenge is you don't want to have to go back uh, to your backers and say, Hey, you know, things have changed since we finished this. Can you guys, you know, give us more money? Often you're not even getting ready to start your, your actual manufacturing until many months after your campaign's closed. Right. So these are all challenges. One recent one that I just heard of, and I'm not sure if you heard this, <laughs> that in China, uh, there's another COVID strain. Right. So now I, there's factory I did hear down. that. Yeah. yeah. I, it's the absolute worst. But I, I think that is unfortunately it's par for the course at this point uh, with with all we've known and learned about it over the last few years. But um, it will lead to different shutdowns. But there are ways that you can mitigate those delays and you can try to uh, expedite that whole situation. And uh, we were originally going to launch last year, actually, oh, wow. uh, in June. So we're almost a year past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what we decided to do was to um, go and get a physical manufacturer uh, prototype instead of doing like a game crafter or, or a thing like that. Yep. And in doing so, our manufacturer already has all of our files. They already have all of our uh, requirements for what we want in sizes, card qualities, and mm. all of that. So um, any changes or stretch goals or things that we get in the meantime are just slight additions that will uh, take take away from that process instead of being a full six to eight weeks to yeah. uh, go back and forth. Um, so it's things like that that we, we really punched on and uh, contacted all like fulfillment agents and pledge managers and things to try to iron all of that out. Um, in hopes to do it as fast as possible, but as well as possible at the same time, because yeah. you don't want to take it all the way to the end and then have a rush uh, finish, you know, uh, just a, a strong finish is uh, kind of the, the goal. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about feuds and favors. Can you, I'm going to show some overlays. So, so people are watching on the replay or, uh, um, or even watching live, uh, I think the visuals of this game are just really, really awesome. Can you kind of explain to us the gist of how this game works? Sure. So the game basically is a race towards seven trophies. Um, it's mm. a medieval tournament style uh, combat. So it's instead of being like a single night, single combat or like a joust, it's the reenactment of almost like a mock army fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is to try to earn the title of the Paramount Legion. And if you do that, you would, as your entire group, um, be able to reap the rewards of the kingdom for a full year. Uh, so in that way, uh, the, you know, it's, it's something that the player you're taking on and the role you're taking on uh, you feel like you got something to really strive for. You know, that's, that's why all of these people are going to participate in this little tiny tournament that you were controlling. And um, the real bread and butter of the game would be the nobility cards that mm. you can call on by earning and exchanging favors. And they are single use abilities that will do really unique things to the battle and 
try to give you leverage and uh, advantages over your opponents. So uh, we had a massive amount of uh, positive feedback on those and uh, everybody really enjoys that interaction and the extra uh, dynamic onto a normal combat. And then there was a, um, and just very quickly, so is this plays up to how many players? Up to four. So it's a to two four. to four. Uh, nice. it, it does work really well as a two player duel type game. Yeah. Uh, say. But, but when you expand it into three and four players, there's no rule changes, but because you can play uh, your nobility cards on other people's turn, you can kind of use that influence to affect other, other combats. So it's a lot of behind the scenes things, but uh, it, it, it just works really well when it uh, stacks together and it's really fun to see how it plays out. Oh, that's awesome. And then I noticed that there was a, uh, I think it was near the end of your page, you talked about donating uh, to an environmental cause. I think it's called Rainforest. Rainforest Trust. Trust. Yeah. So what is that? Explain that. So Rainforest Trust is the world's leading conservation uh, charity. Um, they have millions and millions of acres saved in uh, critical land masses and rainforests. Um, so they, in, they do that by purchasing land or um, working with indigenous groups in certain areas. And in that way, they protect it from things like deforestation and endangered species and things. So um, personally, it's a, it's a charity that I've been uh, a big part of for, for many years. So oh, wow. I felt that this was a natural thing for me to try to support. And originally I had tried to, uh, before I kind of fine tuned the game, I tried to donate it to publishers to get them to give my share to uh, Rainforest Trust at, at the very start. But oh, uh, wow. yeah, so that's kind of where, where I went. I just wanted to do a little bit more. I mean, we're all becoming more and more aware of uh, environmental impacts and things. And I just feel it's a very important cause. That's the challenge, isn't it? Like you look at this industry where you have so many games now that are coming out on a weekly basis and it's not slowing down. Um, a lot of these games got plastic, right? A lot of them, you got minis, plastic, you got uh, thermal form trays, yeah. plastic, um, you know, even cards now, some of these varnishes and so forth, you put on these cards on one hand, you get the durability, but on the other hand, yeah. not so recyclable, right? So um, you kind of have even do... PVC cards now. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was playing Canvas was a game I was just playing not re not too long ago, and it comes with beautiful a beautiful game though. Something like two hundred yeah. some odd like of those of those plastic cards. Right? cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really cool game. Um, but you know, you look at that and you say, okay, uh, you know, it's not it's not like it's like a um, like a single use plastic, right? Where you're gonna use it once and throw it out. It's something that is meant to last. But still, eventually it will end up in a landfill, right? And it's, you know, it's putting some thoughts around that. So it's, it's cool to see developers do that. I think uh, Connor Goey recently for Earth, we we're talking about that. And we've got a game called Earth. Uh, you want to make sure that there's a bit of an environmental hook on it too. So he, uh, yeah. you know, his trays are all made of wood. Right and things like that to try to uh, help minimize the uh, the footprint. So that's commendable. I like that. Yeah, that you guys are doing yeah. that. That's uh, that's pretty cool. It's too bad there's not more. And I know I'm guilty of it myself, even with with my games. Um, it, it's a balance, right? And it's 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 a challenge, right? But uh, I think we can all put effort forward to do to do more. Um, yeah, some of that and a lot of a lot of companies too. They're like the manufacturers are coming on board and providing those. Uh, even sustainably sourced things or recycled mm -hmm. materials. So even if it is 
plastic or uh, things like that, they, they make a bigger effort to use those materials. And um, I think at least giving it another cycle through before it ends up in a landfill is yeah. a positive use rather than a complete new material. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. Yeah. I was going to say, even like, I think one of the, probably the biggest impacts that could be made would be to produce local, right? If we can get like a Canadian yeah. manufacturer that could actually make <laughs> things at an affordable price in Canada, in yeah. the States where they're not shipping away, but actually could, you know, do uh, I know there's game crafters, smaller runs, but even like larger run manufacturers, the challenges is so cost prohibitive that, uh, you know, people want the environmental um, yeah. impact on the game. Right. And, and that's a huge one, not having to actually ship everything all around the world, but at the same time that often comes with a cost. Right. And it's getting the consumers to actually accept that cost. And I think there's some education that's going to have to come there, but I'm still kind of hoping yeah. that, uh, someone will eventually will say, you know what, let's bring the manufacturing to North America. And, uh, and I think it's to, coming. I hope I so. There's uh, a lot of games, right? A lot of manufacturers, there's a lot of uh, publishers. Like there's certainly enough demand here. It's just whether they can get the costs in line, I think is a challenge. Maybe we'll see that with this, the containers, right? I mean, that was a huge, huge cost. Yes. And when you start looking at those shipping costs now and factoring that into the actual manufacturing costs, yeah. some local costs might not be that much more when you kind of look at it holistically across the entire game, right? Exactly. And uh, I think that like one, the, the idea of you, you make thousands of something or 500 or, you know, minimum run a lot of places is 1500 copies. Yeah. And then you, you ship that across the entire world yeah. to get it to a location. And then you usually ship it out again to individuals. So um, th that whole thing, like there's got to be a way to make that uh, a, a more cost efficient thing. And like you said, with the container rise, I think that they're kind of going away for themselves to being a cost-effective thing. And now uh, with the massive inflation that this industry has seen in the last decade or so, um, I think it's going to take a few people uh, not, not so much longer to realize there's, a, there's an actual business here that's uh, very viable um, if they provide some, one, some uh, kind of decent pricing because a lot of yeah. the pricing is just way too much here uh but just a little bit of decent pricing and have some other options for them to do like you said some environmental things or some custom stuff like like the wooden uh, trays is awesome or you know like a lot of people do like custom bags or metal coins yeah. or like lots of things so if you you offer any any kind of swag like that and then um make it accessible to people i think that it's definitely a viable business plan. Yeah, I totally agree. So what, what comes after this? Is there an expansion for, um, for this game or are you looking at like launching something else or what, what's, you know, where, where do you go with this kind of basket of knowledge after uh, this campaign is done? Uh, so we do have a mini expansion for this game. We call it mini because it's uh, the, the main game is 250 cards mm. and the expansion is 40 cards. Um, so it comes with some additional card types and a couple of unique nobles that are not accessible otherwise. Um, so we decided to include that in this same Kickstarter uh, between the base and the deluxe of the game. That's the main difference. Um, but after that, we won't build on this game at all. We're actually hoping to push forward a, uh, a different project that's pretty far along. And, uh, that's, that's a family themed Euro. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so if somebody wants to follow the journey, how do they do that? 
So the easiest way to find us would be at Convivial Games NL. We use the same handle for Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, or any of that. Um, we're most active probably on Facebook and then Instagram. Uh, but the Kickstarter, like you had mentioned at the start, is live and ready to go. And we have a very interesting stretch goal thing for uh, financial or for uh, social goals. Hmm. So instead of having two different rows, like some games have, we have what we're calling cheat codes. So if we reach a certain goal on social, it will jump over the financial goal. So for example, the uh, giveaway that we are currently running with uh, your, you guys there actually brought us past our first stretch goal for 250 followers. Oh, nice. And uh, so we met our first, uh, first stretch goal, just uh, I believe it was today. So that will bring us two additional nobles to the game. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to keep that going. That's awesome. So once again, for anybody who wants to participate in that giveaway, go to our Instagram channel at board game binge podcast and simply, um, you know, follow us, make sure you're following convivial games NL. Did I get that right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfect. And, uh, and then tag two friends who you want to go to battle with. You get an entry into that uh, giveaway and if you want a bonus entry, just simply share it in your stories, tag both of us, and we'll give you an extra ballot. Uh, again, tomorrow, so Friday, sometime in the afternoon, we're going to do that draw live on Instagram. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll get a person and they will win a, uh, a pledge copy of this game. I believe it's a deluxe you actually even put forward too, which is, it is. super and- uh, 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 considerate and, uh, and generous, quite frankly, of you. So thank you so much for that. Very um, welcome. I think Brad- you're going to love it. Oh yeah. I want to wish you all the best with this Kickstarter and this campaign. And I can't wait to see what a fellow Canadian comes with next. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I had a really good time here today. No worries. You take care. Cheers. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast. Hosted by James Staley. Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner. With original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.